Ben Standig covers the NFL and the Commanders for the Athletic. Just down in uh, Mobile, too, to see that Senior Bowl. I know that's a thing you do every year. And by the way, uh, Ryan Horvath sitting next to me, Ben, he is he is a master when it comes to betting on the draft. But I know you are really, really good when it comes to mock drafts. So I feel like you're two, between Ben and Ryan, like we put your brains together. I think we can have a perfect, uh, perfect draft and everybody can just hit all their bets, Ben. You know, this I've known you for a while. This could, this could be your best idea I've ever heard. Um, got to take this into consideration here in a few weeks. I'm, I look, I'm just here to look out for you. You are my long lost friend that I haven't seen in forever, and I'm just glad that you're still you're still going down to the Senior Bowl and you're still able to kind of, I guess, talk to different people and kind of get an idea of what some of those prospects uh, look like to teams. What's maybe the biggest thing that stood out to you? Your biggest takeaway from your time down there? Well, on like sort of a macro level, I think yeah. we, we may have an interesting um, year next year when it comes to the pre-draft scenarios because it felt the Senior Bowl definitely felt different this year. I think other people had the same vibe. It's almost kind of hard to explain why, but you know when the NFL is putting more of an emphasis on the Shrine Game and moving that to the opposite, you know, to the same week essentially as the Senior Bowl plus the Pro Bowl is there. In, in Las Vegas at the same event, it, it didn't feel like there was as many uh, folks there at in Mobile, meaning like from the NFL side, uh, coaches, executives, whatever. There were people there. I mean, it wasn't empty, but it wasn't as many. And I don't know, it didn't feel the same type of vibe when it comes to like trying to get that, have those conversations with, with people. Um, so that was interesting. I'll be curious to see where this goes going uh, forward. In t- and also another component may have been this wasn't the most uh, this wasn't the sexiest <laughs> senior bowl classes. Yeah, yeah. You know they've had a first round quarterback uh, at the senior bowl for years now, and and this year there won't be there may not be anybody picked in the first uh, two days of, of of the draft, and and not even like a, even other positions, not a ton of first round guys. Somebody some will be picked in the first, of course, but not like wow, you got to see you know, this receiver or that cornerback or, or whatever. So I think that was a, a component um, of the whole thing. But but all that said, players emerged. Uh, the offensive linemen, particularly a tackle, stood out. I think a bunch of cornerbacks did as well. And the tight end group, there weren't necessarily a ton of the, the top three or four in Mobile, but I think that's a pretty good group. And some of the uh, second-tier guys like Payne Durham from uh, Purdue uh, stood out as well. Ben, what's your favorite thing or, like, the underrated sneaky thing about, you know, covering the pre-draft process from Senior Bowl to Combine stuff? You know, I, I guess, like, what are some things that people don't really know that goes into that? Yeah, I mean, for for me, it's probably less about the players and more about, in even though I just complained about access, <laughs> generally it's more about access to, you know, the decision makers around the league. It's a pretty interesting you know, deal, you know, we're not, you know, even when you're covering a team on the beat, you know, we don't really get to speak to certain, you know, positions very often. Some some general managers are only available before the year starts and when the year ends. And yet here you can, keep, you can be in pretty, you know, close proximity to them, whether it's on the sideline or maybe it's out out somewhere. And, you know, to have to be able to have that uh, conversation as humans, as opposed to it having to be with a microphone and cameras on and all that, I think can be helpful for, for sure. And then in terms of the players, you know, when we do have uh, uh, the ability to talk to them, um, you know, you get to see personalities, right? I mean, I'm not going to pretend I'm sitting there and telling you 
which edge rusher has the best uh, bend, you know, or, 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 or which, which interior offensive lineman is going to be the one you want against, uh, you know, some, uh, you know, hulking defensive tackle. But you get to at least get to a feel for how they may handle the bigger stage because obviously at, whether it's the senior bowl or the combine, it is a bigger stage for most of them. Um, you know, outside of maybe the Alabama or Notre Dame guys, you know, everybody else, it's it's pretty much a um, it's a new war, it's a new deal. You're you're prepping for your new, for your first career out of college, and I think you get a feel for who these guys are and how they handle uh, these moments. Uh, I'm a Chicago guy, so a couple of running backs I actually wanted to ask you about. I don't think they're going to be high picks, but they were both there. And I really like Chase Brown from Illinois, both as a receiver and a runner. And then Evan Hull, who's probably not the most explosive player, but I think he's a pretty solid pass catcher. What do you think about those two guys? I think they both had a pretty good week, right? Yeah, I mean, certainly Brown uh, stood out along with uh, Tajay Spears, the running back from Tulane, who was named the best uh, practice uh, player of the week uh, for any for any player. And, uh, you, you know, what, what, what's so interesting about the running back spot, you know, we see it over and over again. These guys can come in, they can have a pretty big impact right off the bat, and yet nobody wants to draft them high. They, they don't get these second contracts. So, you know, on some level, you know, when we talk about free agency, I, I feel like with a running back, it almost as if running back is like a free agent position on some level yeah. because it is more of an immediate impact versus a long-term uh, situation. So, you know, I think for teams probably not looking at a lot of lead backs, um, you know, in Mobile, but you're looking at guys that can contribute, and we see over and over again these running back by committees. I know fantasy football players can't stand them, and understandable, but, the, you know, finding guys who can have certain roles, whether it's, you know, run between the tackles, um, you know, be a pass catcher, you know, I, 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 think, uh, I think Brown showed himself in a good way, Spears as well, and, uh, you know, we'll just, I think it's more of a what what does a team need, you know, more than like, wow, this is the next – this guy is the next big thing or something. And then the other guy I really like is Jake Hayner, and I know he's not – you know, some people say he's too small. I know he was the uh, game's MVP, went 12-19, and 19, 139 uh, yards passing in that game. What are your thoughts on Jake Hayner as a pro? Because I think he could be a starting quarterback in this league. Obviously, you do worry about the hype, but I just think he could make all the throws, and I think he proved that at Fresno State. Yeah, our uh, NFL draft analyst uh, Dane Brugler, who of course is, you know, he's, he's all over, over the draft, uh, you know, for you know one, months at a time. Uh, he wrote the other day that he thought Hayner was before, this is even before he was named MVP that he was the best quarterback there, and that if you're looking for like this year's Brock Purdy, I guess that's now a thing um, <laughs> that uh, that that Hayner could potentially be that guy and obviously he had a pretty solid week of of, uh, practices you know the the quarterback class there's the top four uh you know i'm sure you guys have talked about that as well with anthony richardson sort of rounding out that group and then from there it's like well i don't know who's the fifth sixth or seventh player and i don't know if hayner gets all the way up to that fifth spot but i think he's you know pushed himself up a, a, a bit higher um, you, you know, we'll see like when Hendon Hooker from Tennessee comes back from his injury, what he's able to show. But, but I think Hayner solidified that he's in that next group uh, in after the top four. And, you know, I don't know if that means he's going to go day two. You mentioned the size and he's only uh, listed at six foot. But, yeah, he definitely, you know, in a week where there wasn't a ton of great quarterback play, he stood out for looking like a pretty solid option. Talking to Ben Standick, Bet MGM tonight. So, 
BetMGM has Bryce Young as the favorite to go first overall at minus 120. C.J. Stroud's plus 250. And then it's Jalen Carter at 5-1 to one and Will Anderson 5-1 uh, to one as well. Obviously, the Bears have the number one overall pick. Right now, we assume that they're not going to take a quarterback, given that Justin Fields is still young and then hopefully can develop him, and that would be smart. So you assume either they take somebody on maybe the defensive side of the ball or they trade out. There's a lot of talks about them trading out, getting more assets, which I think is a smart thing to do if I'm them because they need a lot of help. What did you hear there about the possibility of, of trades near the top, especially talking about the Bears? Yeah, it, it, it feels like what unless one of the quarterbacks in this draft class just completely blows them away, that they've already made a pretty good investment in, in, in fields. You know, he had a pretty fun year, at least in terms of, you know, making some highlight plays and that the fans there starting to embrace him, that that would be kind of rough for the fan base to move on from fields. Simultaneously, boy, it just doesn't, it to me would be sort of stunning if they can't figure out a way to trade down a little bit to get extra picks. Now I'm not saying trade down to like, you know, nine, 10 or, or, or whatever, unless you get, get the mother load, but you trade down, you know, the Texans are picking second. The Colts are picking fourth. Uh, you know, the Seahawks are five. All those teams could be in play for quarterback. And even if you do that, you still would have a pretty good chance to get, you know, Will Anderson or Jalen Carter, especially if you're picking, if you drop down to four. Um, so that to me is what, what is what I would do. And I feel like that's the general thought here. Um, but, you know, obviously free agency comes first. And we'll see, are the, the Bears want interior defensive linemen? Do they make a, a play for someone in free agency? Or if not, is that a sign that they're going to go with like a Jalen Carter at, at, at one? I mean, I, I guess right now I'd say trade down, but, you know, free agency is going to dictate a lot of things for sure. Ben, I'm looking at Dane, uh, Dane's list. You mentioned him. Uh, and his mock draft has the Houston Texans taking Will Levis. Over C.J. Stroud, C.J. Stroud not going uh, until fifth to the Carolina Panthers. What am I missing about Will Levis and why he would be moving up in the draft at this point? Yeah, it's it's, a, it's fun. I mean, I, I think Levis and, and C.J. Stroud are really going to be uh, a lot of fun to watch. You know, we all know how this goes. At some point during the draft process, everybody, whether it's because they've stared at too much tape or they're bored, starts just looking at anything else along the way at, you know, what, why, how come the heck, why don't we put this guy up in, in, in higher? And, you know, some teams seem to go, <laughs> to go in that way as well. Uh, look, Dane's the guy who's been watching all this stuff. So I'm not going to so much question him. It does feel like Stroud is viewed more as the number two behind young than, than Levis is. But I think Levis just has a lot of natural ability that people seem to fall for. He didn't have the the best of seasons, at least relative to being, you know, a top three, four or five pick. Um, so I think that's the question is, will teams study him enough, get comfortable enough with what his strengths and weaknesses are to say we can do this? I, I, I think Stroud, I mean, look, obviously he had a really good career at Ohio State. The last game was probably the best game of his career, arguably. But, you know, I think teams want to see him run the ball a bit more, be, you know, use his mobility. And if they're convinced that he'll do that, then maybe he's even challenging Bryce Young for number one. But, you know, otherwise, that, that, that could be the type of thing that gives Levis the opportunity if teams view him as more of the natural uh, quarterback. Yeah, maybe it's also just a possible indictment on the bad decision-making that Houston has made. So 
I saw that and thought maybe that was why. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think? Um, the guy I wanted to ask you about actually, Bijan Robinson, who I absolutely love yeah. out of Texas, but is a running back really going to go top ten? And if a running back is going to go top ten, do you think Robinson's worthy of that pick? Because he's awesome. I just, I don't know. I feel like teams have kind of learned their lesson here the last couple of years uh, drafting running backs in the first round. But what do you think about him? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely in the n- never running back in the first round, let alone top ten or so. I mean, you know. First round can be relative, you know, if you're picking, you know, you know, you know, like if the Chiefs said, hey, we want to get another running back, it would be hard to argue, right, considering they don't have like an obvious um, lead guy. But to me, that would be, you know, I don't want to go so far as to say an atrocious use of assets, but it would be more that, that than not just simply because of, you know, I hate, I feel bad for these guys, but it's the disposable nature of the position that you can kind of always – find somebody to, uh, to to give you a solid option, especially if you have a really, really good offensive line, which is where, you know, I would rather have the really, really good offensive line and the running backs we don't know about versus the top 10 running back pick and an offensive line that's, you know, subpar or, or ordinary. So I don't know. To me, I wouldn't I, – I don't even know how to contemplate what team would take him high i mean i don't know the raiders it seems like that even with josh jacobs it seems like that's the type of thing they might do who knows but uh <laughs> other than that I, I just for me would struggle with seeing any team use a, a high pick on a running back and, and maybe even in the first round at all yeah i can imagine there's going to end up being multiple trades for teams that want to get up there and try to jump somebody else to get in the top two top three to draft a quarterback uh, just given the run that we're going to have and some teams that are you know on the back end that are desperate like maybe carolina or the colts so uh, I think we can we can expect a lot of chaos in this draft. Ben Standig of The Athletic. Good talking to you, man. Thanks for coming on. Thanks so much, man. Thanks. Hey, thanks for, thanks for having me, Nick. Always a pleasure, man. Oh, Talk you're to my him. guy. He's, he, knows, he knows his mock drafts. You, uh, like, you guys together, I'm just going to be you tell me what to bet on. I'm not even going to do any work, research. Yeah. I'm just going to tail you, and that's all we need yeah, to do. Yeah, he'd come hang out in studio. I would life. love it. That would be actually really fun. Maybe we go to the draft. Maybe. <laughs>